It is going to be a busy day for Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun, who joins us now. Good morning, Vaughn. Uh, good morning, Simi, and welcome to day four of David Eby's 100-day action plan. And so far, he's lived up to the billing. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, now, big announcements as well on the weekend. Yes, big announcement on public safety on the weekend, and, and an ambitious one. A plan, what, eight at different elements in it? Uh, of course, some unanswered questions about all that. But I think the one thing that came through, Simi, is that the government has been working on this for a long time. It is finally responding to calls that began last spring for the government to do something about prolific offenders and violent street crime. Now, I know you and I had talked about this a few months back where we thought, is this what's going on behind the scenes? Is this what they're working on? They're just kind of biding their time until this all happened? Yeah, I mean, Ebi got asked a question yesterday, uh, why did it take so long? And he said, well, you know, we we heard from the urban mayors. Yes, they did back in April. And we appointed a group to put together creative solutions. Yes, they did back in May. That group reported out in September. Here we are in November, six months in, and we're finally getting things that people other than the provincial government have been calling for for months. It's a matter of record that they've been calling for it. And I have to say, Simi, things are now being done by the government that David Eby and uh, current Attorney General Murray Rankin said, no, no, you can't, we can't do that. We can't do that. And yeah. now they're doing it. Yeah. So the key one there is this uh, directive to prosecutors telling them to do everything in their power to make sure that when a violent repeat offender who has repeatedly violated bail conditions and gone back out on the street and done more, when that person appears in front of a judge, prosecutors are now directed beyond ambiguity to let the judge know everything he or she needs to know about why this person shouldn't be allowed out again. And the prosecutors are to work with the police, their own record keeping, and uh, um, parole officers. Well, that is all to the good, and I hope it works, and it needs to be done, but you can go back to the legislature in May and find the opposition, Mike DeYoung, former Attorney General, suggesting that very approach to the then Attorney General, who was David Eby. So it's not a good explanation that it took months to get to this point. Yeah, I know. You're right. There are still some questions about that. But then what's happening today? Today's about housing. Yeah, so big stuff today again. And, you know, it's uh, you got to run fast to keep up with this stuff. So Eby has a briefing. Uh, there's a technical briefing starting at 9 o'clock on the housing, Eby's housing action plan. And uh, we expect that E.B. will be tabling, or uh, his housing minister, Murray Rankin, will be tabling the housing legislation in the House when it sits at 10 o'clock. So the 9 o'clock briefing is embargoed until the legislation goes into the House. Uh, David E.B. told us a couple of things on day one, his uh, swearing-in press conference on Monday, uh, sorry, on Friday. Uh, He suggested that one of these bills that we're getting today, Simi, will expedite approval of rental housing. So if you look at EB's own housing plan, he suggested that Crown land, government-owned land, and government resources would be made available to nonprofits, 
to develop and build rental housing, specific rental housing. So I assume that's one of the things we're getting today. The other thing he said in passing, Simi, was that uh, the government is looking for partnerships with municipal governments about developing housing for the missing middle, the middle class. Well, there's an interesting clue about where he's headed on that, because he'll be joined today by the new mayor of Victoria, Marianne Alto. The city of Victoria has a housing plan for the missing middle that the previous council developed, the new council is dealing with, and David Eby specifically endorsed that plan. So I think we can expect some initiatives arising out of the plan that Eby has already endorsed. Okay, that's interesting too. And also, so what's going to happen in the legislature now? Because they've they've made some offers, right? Yes. So there's only four days left in the fall sitting. And normally to get a piece of legislation through the House, it takes a, a minimum of three days. And then you need some cooperation from the opposition. They can talk things out if they want to. There is some leeway for them to do that. And if the opposition is determined to talk, the government's options are extend the session extend the sitting hours, or bring in closure, uh, use their legislative majority to cut off debate. I don't think the government wants to use closure in its first week under the new premier. Uh, so what they've done is they've offered the opposition parties later sittings. We'll give you as much time as you need to debate this legislation, to ask questions. But I think the holdback from the government is, hey, this is housing stuff. This is needed. You particularly the Liberals, have already supported some of this stuff. So let's get it through within the four days left in the sitting, even if that means sitting in late into the night on given days. Okay, so then the ball is in the B.C. Liberals' court on that one. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, you know, and this is a sort of Brinks personship that governments play with the opposition. Um, I think if the legislation is generally positive and not too controversial, Um, The opposition may well go along with it. And I guess at the end of the day, the government, uh, well, they could extend the sitting into next week. I don't know why they don't do that. Just give more time. But maybe because they don't really want four more days of question periods. I think question period today is going to be pretty rough because the the liberals are going to be asking the premier why, when he was attorney general, he didn't do this public safety stuff since the ideas were there at the time last April and May. Right. Okay. Another question about that, too, is what is this unexplained wealth order proposition? Well, this is the most dramatically innovative thing he's proposing. So we have civil forfeiture in this province where criminals, uh, their cars and houses and everything are seized if they're found to be involved in organized crime. Well, EB is suggesting that that legislation is going to be extended, so the bill would get next spring on this, to include unexplained wealth to cover uh, I mean, he gave us the image, right? The the suspected gangster or drug dealer who drives around town in a luxury right. vehicle loaded with guns, armored plating, lives in a luxury house, and there's no visible means of support, not a legal one anyway. Uh, he says that they're going to bring in legislation to go after that on the grounds that there is zero tolerance under David Eby for organized crime and money laundering. EB admits it will be innovative legislation. It's not been tried elsewhere in Canada. He expects it'll be challenged in court, and he expects to win the court challenge. So very ambitious plan there and very innovative one. 
What's so interesting about that is that you mentioned earlier, like, what would he have done if he were the head of the Civil Liberties Association? <laughs> he was prepared. It was a good question, and credit to Andrea Wu for the, of the Globe and Mail for asking it. What would you, David Eby, have said if you were head, still head of the Civil Liberties Association if another government had proposed this? And Eby's answer was, I'm premier now, and as premier, my government will have no tolerance for organized crime or money laundering, uh, or this kind of lavish lifestyle, which, as E.B. says, attracts young people to the life of crime. They see, you know, someone in their neighborhood in a rich house, a fancy vehicle, and all kinds of things, and they go, I want that lifestyle, and they get involved in drug dealing. So uh, I have to think the public will be sympathetic with that position from David E.B., and they probably, I'm sure the Civil Liberties Association will protest, but... On this one, I think the new David Eby is probably closer to being on the side of the public than the old activist civil libertarian David Eby. Very interesting. And he did say he also expects it to be challenged in court. Yes, he expects it to be challenged in court. It'll be the first legislation of its kind in Canada. He expects it will be challenged to court. And he said uh, that he thinks uh, the, the legislation will survive challenge. Well, you know, he had he went through that around the uh, no-fault auto insurance, and there were some troubles and glitches in the court. But so far, uh, David Eby's vision of no-fault auto insurance has survived uh, court challenges overall. Uh, there have been some losses and defeats and tweaking, but for the most part, uh, he was proven correct on that idea. All right. Going to keep you busy for sure. Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi.